0: Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Okay, we're going to dive straight in, um, but first I'd love to pray. Lord, I just thank you for your Word. Lord, I pray that you'd make our hearts receptive to it. I pray that we'd take something home from it. And you would, it would do what you want it to do in our lives in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. Verse 1, it says, Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, so Barnabas is the encourager. I love Barnabas. Everywhere that someone needs encouraging, you find Barnabas pop up. Where people are saying, Paul, we're not sure if you're the real deal. You see Barnabas there taking Um, Paul along and encouraging people to accept him and receive him. Simon called Niger, I'm hoping that's how you pronounce that, like Nigeria, Simeon rather, sorry. Now, um, Simeon is an African man. And many believe that Simeon from Cyrene, which was an African country um, here, he was actually the one who carried Jesus' cross. And so it's so cool to see these characters popping back up and um, and actually starting the early church. Lucius of Cyrene, so a fellow countryman of Simeon perhaps. Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. So Herod the Tetrarch is the one who beheaded John the Baptist. And um, Manian. Has, is now kicking off the early church. Uh, so that's, um, that's a better choice. And Saul, Saul being Paul. So you'll hear Saul and Paul interchangeably. Usually when he's talking to um, Hebrews, he's called Saul. When he's call, talking to Greeks, he's called Paul because he has two names, one Greek name, one Hebrew name. While they're worshipping the Lord and fasting, anyone get a muffin this morning? You're not fasting. Um, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So, after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. This is really interesting. They're in a place where they're fasting, and we don't actually know if they were fasting for this or they're just fasting in worship in general. But because they're in this atmosphere, in this place where they're dedicating time to the Lord, the Holy Spirit has opportunity to speak into them. This is something that fasting does. Fasting is less of your flesh and more of the Holy Spirit. That's why we fast every year in February or end of January, start of Feb. You know, often I'm not fasting for anything because I my dream is to have a dream. <laughs> I don't have all these grand plans and things that I'm fasting for, but I just set aside that time every year. And I see it like digging a deep well because I don't know what's coming that year. And I know that I'm better positioned for whatever is to come than what I was if I hadn't have set aside that time for prayer and fasting. There are things that I think, oh man, like how would I be coping with this if I hadn't have dug that deep well at the start of the year? So I encourage you in that because that's coming up uh, very soon. But first we feast because it's Christmas. Okay, Um, so I'm just interested because they set apart. So Barnabas and Saul necessarily had to say no to some things in order to accomplish what God had for them. And I wonder how the people who were close to Barnabas and Saul, particularly Barnabas who was the encourager, maybe Saul who was like intense and driven. They were like, oh, God bless Paul. But Barnabas, they would have loved to have him around. And they've, they've said, we just release you, Barnabas. We release you Saul, to the work that God has set you apart to do. And I praise God because this is a church that releases people for what they're called to do. You know, I think back to um, the early books of Acts where Dazza preached about Acts 6, where the apostles gave their time now and set aside themselves for the prayer and the Word. Prayer in the Word. Now, if they're modern day pastors, it's like, gee, they're lazy so-and-sos. Why aren't they doing some of the work? Why aren't they feeding the widows? They get paid by the church. They, but the church understood, know that that was their job and that there were people that were able to achieve this over here. So I, I praise God that we've got a church with that kind of attitude. Now, I don't believe necessarily that they heard an audible voice of the Holy Spirit here, but I feel like it's an atmosphere where they were receiving and the voice of God would have resonated in their hearts. That someone maybe had the idea and it resonated and they were united. So not only did they place their hands on the to pray for them, but they were ascending church. But the real um, credit goes in verse four. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they had arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the Word of God in the Jewish synagogues. That's what they did. They went to the synagogues first to where people were already open and they found what kind of reception they got there and then they'd move out from there. John was with them as their helper. And we heard Jason talk last week about this being John Mark, uh, who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Verse 6. I just have to give a shout out to Annie Hook, who um, is here this morning after doing uh, all the musicals. Um, and very late night. Kate Bennell over there as well, well done. Georgia Moore over there as well, all working really hard. Teenagers back in the house of God this morning, can we say that you're amazing? Good job, guys. Anyone that I missed? You're also <laughs> great. Verse six, they travelled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. Now Paphos was where there was worship of the goddess Venus. And this worship was hectic, okay? She was the god of sexuality, so you can probably imagine what kind of worship went on there. And you know what? People would potentially, you know, um, of the world would, would maybe say that that would be great worship to get involved in. But let's never forget that the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. And whatever is good for a moment... Uh, always ultimately ends up for our harm. I see it a bit like KFC where you love it at the time, but afterwards you just feel dirty and hate yourself. Um, And so there they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Now Bar-Jesus means son of Jesus. So he's talking himself up. He's elevating himself to this level. And it says, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. Now, if you watched the midweek study uh, last week, you would know that I got all those names wrong. Please have grace. But Pastor Mike gave a great teaching on spiritual warfare. And he talked about praying for those in authority. Now I've always done that because that's what the Bible says to do. Pray for those in authority. But Pastor Mike talked about the fact that what is influencing them trickles down to the whole of society. And I just wonder in these recent years where church attendance for Pentecostal traditions has increased had anything to do with having a Pentecostal Prime Minister? I don't know, I just posed that question, I've got no idea. But what was happening here was that this man, this sorcerer, had an influence on the ruling authority. So let's keep finding out what happens here. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer—for that is what his name means—opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. So he a man who's hungry and and for spiritual things, but there's an influence upon him that um, is stopping that that flow. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are gonna be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed for he was amazed at the teaching of the Lord. This is an incredible event that takes place. And, uh, you know, I think about the passage of Scripture that talks about spiritual warfare. It says, uh, what Jesus says, you bind the strong man. That when someone goes to plunder a house, first they bind the strong man and then they can, they can plunder the house. And this is essentially what's happened here, is that Paul binds the strong influence here and then is able to turn that whole household around of Sergius Paulus and he's saved now, from here, incredible things happen. And, and I wonder if that had been able to happen had Paul not dealt with the spiritual atmosphere of the place. Now, who's freaked out about spiritual warfare stuff? Anyone with me? Oh, wow. You guys are all like, no, bring it on. <laughs> oh, no, Don't do that. <laughs> and, uh, wow. Okay. Awesome. Um, just me. So uh, with spiritual warfare, we just need to know the authority that we have. I and tell you about something that happened recently in um in our bed, wow, that's a weird way to start the story, um, is that um, um, Daz was sleeping and so was I and we were um, both, like usually we snore, that's what we do, but um, but we don't sleep talk. But Daz was making these like guttural noises like he was being choked. That was the noise that I would say. And I heard him and he would, kept going and I'm like, uh, like in my, I was still asleep, kind of, and I had my eyes closed and in my brain, I was like, oh Lord, whatever that is, please sort that out. And he kept going. And I um, actually put my hand out and because he wouldn't stop. So I woke up, put my hand on him and said, in the name of Jesus, I take authority in this situation. And Daz just went to sleep like that. And the next morning, Daz said to me, Bron, you you put your hand on me last night, didn't you? And I said, yeah. And he said, I was having this experience. He said, I just felt so much evil. It was just suffocating me. And I was trying to say in the name of Jesus and I just couldn't get it out. And I was trying to say it and trying to say it and I just couldn't get it out. And he said, and eventually I got it out and said in the name of Jesus and then that was it, the evil left and I went to sleep. And I was like, oh, well, this is what happened from my perspective. And he's like, that tells me two things. One, that there's a spiritual battle going on, but two, that the name of Jesus causes any evil to flee and that's the end of it. And it was just simply by saying the name of Jesus that that influence had to go and had to leave. So as people, and you guys all know this because you all nodded and said, I'm awesome when it comes to spiritual warfare and I'm really comfortable with it, um, is that um, you have authority That you just in the name of Jesus, you carry authority. Never think that you're on the back foot when it comes to spiritual warfare. If you have Jesus, if you follow Jesus, if you've done what Dave said and invited Jesus into your life, bang, you now have the spiritual authority to deal with anything that comes against you. And simply, I would say, and my mum used to tell me this all the time, just say in the name of Jesus, that's all you need to say. And you have the authority in that place wherever you are. Now, I wouldn't go out tackling things without getting some instruction first. But if you feel anything coming against you, you stand in the authority that you have in the name of Jesus. Mum told me that if I'm ever attacked in a dark alley, um, just to tell the person to drop their knife in the name of Jesus. Um, I like probably she could have given me instruction around not being in dark alleys alone, but <laughs> each to their own. From Paphos, Paul and his companions, verse 13, sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. Now John, uh, Mark, John Mark, he gets a bit of a bad rap by some commentators here. Some say he was a noob. Like he just didn't know what he was doing. Some say that actually probably this whole spiritual warfare with Bar-Jesus freaked him out and he wasn't up for it. And you know what? That's okay. Not everyone has the same grace to deal with things that others do. You know, I I personally do not feel led to dive into spiritual warfare. If you do, I'm so happy for you and I will pray for you. Um, But John Mark left at this point. Um, An amazing thing happens though, is that later on in the Gospels, particularly I think it's the book of 2 Timothy, Paul says, everyone has deserted me, please send to me John Mark because he comforts me. So at this point in time, John Mark leaves and later on we'll see that um, Barnabas and Saul have a serious dispute about John Mark coming with them because uh, Paul says, he left us, why would we get him back? But actually what happens in the end is that Paul says, I need him. So I just love the seasons of this, that we're all gifted for different things, that sometimes we're gifted for comfort, that sometimes we're gifted for mission and that we all have these different giftings. Alright, sorry, getting carried away. Um, I'm just gonna go to verse 16. it says, Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand, is in the synagogue. Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. And he begins to give an address that is very similar, amazingly, to Simon uh, Stephen's address. Stephen, who was Um, killed. And he just outlines the history and goes right through. And then he gets to verse 23. It says, talking about David, King David, from this man's descendants, God has brought Israel this brought to Israel the Savior Jesus as he promised before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. as John was completing his work, he said, "Who do you suppose I am? I am not the one you were looking for, but there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Now you might have heard recently in the news about internship abuse was alproats it doesn't exist in this church, <laughs> but whereby um, interns were just kind of taken advantage of. And, and you know it happens in interns. Bella just got an internship, and that was the one thing I was worried about, is that you know that they might put too much work on her and uh, in these internships. And so what happened in in Jewish um society was that rabbis had these disciples. But they began to put too heavy a load on them. They began to ask them to do all sorts of things, mow their lawns, wash their cars, things that were nothing to do with the instruction of a rabbi. And so what they said was, okay, you can ask a disciple to do anything, but he can't untie your shoes. Um, he can't undo the straps of your sandal. That is beneath them. That's not okay. That is a task that is beneath them. And John says, as it relates to Jesus, that is a task that is above me because it's too. He is too great for me to even do such a menial task for Him. And so um, he said, I'm not worthy. And then Paul goes on, "'Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, "'it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. "'The people of Jerusalem and their rulers "'did not recognise Jesus, yet in condemning Him, "'they fulfilled the words of the prophets "'that are read every Sabbath.'" though they found no proper ground for a death sentence they asked Pilate to have him executed when they had carried out all that was written about him they took him down from the cross and placed him in a tomb but God raised him from the dead and for many days he was seen by those who had travelled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem they are now his witnesses to our people you may have heard it said that there's more historical evidence for the resurrection than for the existence of Napoleon there's actually more um, historical evidence that's incredible we tell you the good news what God promised our ancestors he fulfilled for us their children by raising up Jesus. Then he quotes some Old Testament Scriptures. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to go into it today. But it says through him in verse 39, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. Thank you, Lord. Let me say that again. Through Him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. Like John said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the whole world. You were worried about your sin? No, the whole world's sin has been dealt with as we acknowledge Him. And it says a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. And then he continues on. I'm going to stop there. Yeah, I'm going to stop there. Gee, (laughs) I just want to keep going, but I'm not going to. So reflection time. What we do now is we uh, talk about something that occurred to us from the passage, maybe something you haven't heard before or something that you're reminded of. And then also maybe a question that this passage has risen uh, for you and then a takeaway that you would take and apply. If you want to pull some tables together, I notice that there's three at some, two at others, one at others. Feel free to pull the tables together. And um, we've got about five minutes and then Luke's going to take us forward. Um, maybe a question for you, or maybe you would like to talk about an experience of spiritual warfare and see how much you can freak everyone out
1: at the table. Go. All right. If we can bring the room back. We're going to move on now to, um, so to end some conversations. Don't worry, we can continue conversations after the service. Um, we're going to move into to going forward. So if, you, if you're new or, or unsure of how um, this service is structured, we had going deeper, delving into the Word, and now we look at going forward and practically applying parts of the passage uh, to our Mondays, to Fridays, or Saturdays, and Sundays, all of them. All right, so Acts chapter 13. It's pretty cool. In the message version, um, when it referred to a sorcerer, the message version refers to a wizard. So, I just thought that was cool. A crooked crooked wizard gets put in his place in this chapter. It's pretty cool. I like this chapter. And right at the end is what I want to focus on pretty much from verse 46 through um, to the end of the chapter. And so, we're going to start straight away by um, jumping into verse 46 and 47. It says, Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. So, um, Well, actually, since it wasn't read, I'll just quickly read the verse before so we know what's happening. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy, They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you rejected and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. I want to read one little bit again. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. So that brings me to my first point, the simple refusal of an invite. It's not the first time we see this just before in the Gospels. We see it in in Matthew 22 and in Luke 14, the idea of the the banquet where a king, uh, his daughter gets married and he throws a banquet and When he has this banquet, he invites all these esteemed guests and they don't rock up. He says, all right, and he invites everyone. He says, all right, go invite everyone. Invite people on the streets. Invite anyone. Tell them to come. And when they come, those that respect and honour and come, he's like, no no one else is going to eat from my banquet. And it's a reference to the kingdom of God. And we see it here happening. We see that so much of, of life with God is missed just simply from the refusal of an invite. And right here, there is a, a reference in this, to, uh, in this message about uh, that scripture about salvation and eternity. But we know that Christianity is a daily decision. It's a, a decision that we make um, every day. We constantly have to accept the invite to do life with God. Sarah, my wife, she, um, she, she wrote a letter. There was this young girl and she was at a bit of a crossroads and my wife just felt prompted. She felt like God was speaking to her to to write a letter to this girl and she she wrote out this whole letter. And she had this letter to give to the girl and out of fear or or just a fear of awkwardness, she didn't give this young girl the letter. And about a year later, we've seen over the next year, this young girl make decision after decision that ended up, she she ended up being young, single, single, pregnant and out of church. And Sarah, uh, we were able to be a part of her life. We heard she was struggling. We had two cars at the time and heard she needed one and gave her a car. We were able to still be a part of her journey coming back to church and and was awesome. But still to this day, Sarah always regrets not giving her the letter when she was at that crossroads. There's a cost to to a simple refusal of an invite. So I wanted to ask that question. What cost are you potentially paying? What invite are you refusing? What's the Holy Spirit stirring and prompting in you that's just waiting for an acceptance of that invitation? Because I know some of the best decisions I've made in my life were just simple yeses to an invite that God gave me to be a part of. And I think of coming here to Tamworth, God's country. I'm... Um, um, my wife and I, we both felt a prompting to to come and move to Tamworth. We, we we felt like there was a prompting to move. We weren't sure where. My wife had never been to Tamworth. And, and, and Daz, my uncle and auntie, Daz and Bron rang and said, hey, why don't you come here to Tamworth if you're looking at moving? And we felt just a peace about it. Felt a prompting. Came here and visited. Sarah had never been here. She walked in. She's like, yeah, this is, this is, I feel at peace with this. We said, yes, we've come and. What we've been able to witness and be at the front row of over these past three and a half years, we've seen a youth ministry triple. We've seen connect groups be established midweek because of the sacrifice of the incredible Moors Um, and and our Friday night programs. We've seen our our leadership team go. We've seen dozens and dozens and dozens of salvations. We've had baptisms up at the pools. It's been incredible. Sarah and I have been able to sit and be a part of and, and witness what God has done just from simply saying a yes to an invitation. We're going to look at the next couple of verses from 48 to 50. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honoured and honoured the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. Point number two that I get from this is expect a battle. The whole book of Acts, the whole Bible, we we come across opposition. We come across uh, a a force that's against the work of God. And one of the most commonly used phrases in the Bible is be not afraid. So it's clearly something to be afraid of if the most commonly used phrase in the Bible is be not afraid. I want to read 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. See, expecting the battle isn't pessimistic or negative, but you can't prepare for what you don't expect. And so that's why the Bible says to prepare to pray about everything. It's an indispensable weapon, pray. To meditate in the Word that God is with you, reaffirms and affirms that God is with you over and over. We need to expect the battle so when it comes, we don't just go through it, but we take ground through the battle. That's why it's good to expect it and be able to prepare. I love this song, Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name Jesus. When I sing that song, man, I'm ready for anything. Anything can come. Jesus over my family. I don't care what comes. I don't care what comes at my kids, my wife, me. I know Jesus for my family. Love that song. I'm just going to read some scriptures to encourage us all. For those who might need courage, Joshua 1 verse 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. For those who might feel weak or not enough, 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 to 10, my grace is sufficient. God is enough. His power is made perfect in our weakness. And one for everyone, Psalms 118 verse 6, Whom shall I fear? The Lord is with me. What can man do unto me? we have got to expect the battle to be prepared for it. Now I want to just take a moment to honor our senior pastors. Because I know our senior pastors are in a battle at the moment. And being family, I get to, to be at the forefront and witness some of the behind closed doors. And the response from our senior pastors from the battle that they're going through is incredible. They've talked about how it's going to make them more graceful towards people, how they can understand that people in our church thinking about us here and going, oh, we can can serve these guys better with this experience. We can understand people are going through stuff more accurately. That's the response from our senior pastors. It's incredible. They're they're ready with with faith-filled optimism, ready to take on this journey. It's incredible. And you know why? Because they expect a battle. They're prepared for it. They know that when things come, they've already prepared themselves. They've prayed up a storm. They've meditated in the Word and they're ready and they know God's with them. God's gone before them. And so let's get beside them and um, let's expect a battle in our own lives and let's be praying for our senior pastors as well in their battle. Let's be prepared to fight the good fight. And the last little bit we're going to look at is the last two verses, verse 51 and 52 says so they took they shook the dust off their feet so that was like a I had to look that one up it was like a a bit of a um like the three finger thing in Hunger Games it's like that's what it is like shake your feet it's like yeah it's like a protest against authority sort of so they're like yeah do Hunger Games and then it says um And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. They're filled with joy and the Holy Spirit after being persecuted and exiled. So they're persecuted and exiled and they're filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Which brings me to point number three. Even a loss is a win with God. Even a loss is a win with God. See, in verse 2 and 5, Pastor Bronnie was talking about how they were sent by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sent them. So they were sent by God. And that's the thing, when you're with God, when God's with you, even a loss is a win. Because they can trust that God's got it all under control. See, sometimes, um, sometimes our role, Pastor Bronnie said it too, we play different parts. Sometimes we seed. Sometimes we're watering. Sometimes we get to witness and experience growth. I think of youth ministry, and, and the, the, the season Sarah and I have walked into is all set from the season before was Josiah Stace. Josiah Stace spent a season seeding the Word of God and who Jesus is into our youth. And then when Sarah and I came along, we, we, we've drawn our youth to experience God, but the, when they had encounters and experienced God and the Holy Spirit, they know the God that they're experiencing from the seeds that were sown by Josiah Stace. So when a door is clearly closed, get excited about the door that's going to be open. We don't want to hold on to it. I feel like so much um, door staring happens at closed doors. And it's how sometimes we can miss the invite. We can miss that invite of what's next because we're staring at a, at a closed door, holding on to an experience or something God did. And I just want to encourage you. Yeah, if you've been a part of something, God's moved and done something, and a door's closed, another one's open it. Leave with joy. If you're exiled and persecuted, let's look for the next door. God's going to open it. Trust that He's got it. He's doing something incredible. He's got a plan that's better than ours. Trust me, it's better than our plan that we have. Romans 8.28. Just to prove it's in the Bible. All things work for the good for those who love him and accord according to his purpose. Um, Last thing I want to sort of end on is testimony around that. I I like to control things a bit. And if I'm on something, I find it hard to get other people involved because I'm like, I can do it the best way in the perfect way. And (laughs) I like to do it. And anyway, in youth, sometimes I go away and we have youth and I'm not there. And I think, oh, is it going to go wrong? And I have a love-hate relationship with this experience because it happens so often. It just so happens that when I'm away, our youth leaders always tell me, it was the best night ever. I'm like, what? The best? Come on, just tell me it was good. But it's awesome because I can trust and know that even when I'm not there, God's got the perfect person who needs to be there. We need to trust in God. Even a loss is a win with Him. So I just want to recap. One, accept the invite. Be on the lookout for the invite that God would prompt in you. The Holy Spirit's prompting in you. Accept it and run for it. Two is expect the battle. Doesn't mean being negative, but being prepared and ready to take it on so that when we go through something, it doesn't take us out, but we take it out. We go and we take ground for God. And three, trust He is Lord. Even a loss is a win. He's on the throne and He knows what He's doing doesn't matter who gets elected or what rules come in place. God's got a plan. He's got a purpose and we can run the race knowing he's gone before us. So if I can pray and then we'll end. So dear God, we just thank you so much that you've called us to a life with you. That Lord, we're able to run this race with you. Lord God, we just pray for opportunity. We just pray and we invite your Holy Spirit into all our lives. All of us set of Christians to, to prompt us, guide us and lead us into what you would have us do. Lord God, help us to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, be sensitive to your prompting and direction, to get into your Word. Get in your Word and study um, your will for our lives, Lord God. I just pray that you give us boldness to know that whatever comes our way, Lord, you are with us, that we can read your Bible and be affirmed by your words, that you are with us and you are for us. And Lord God, we just thank you in advance for the victories um, and, and for your will to be outworked. Lord God, we know there's people hurting. We know there's darkness. And Lord God, it's not hopeless, but you are full of hope. A life in you is full of hope. And I just pray that you help us to take that out there, to know that we're called to do that. As we come here and we're filled with hope, Lord, we're then meant to take that out and be hope and shine hope and be a light, Lord God, the same way the disciples did here. We thank you so much that you've called us to be a part of it. We are honoured. We are honored. We are those Gentiles, Lord God. We're not Jews, we're Gentiles. And we're just honored to be a part of it. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your son. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.
0: Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you.